Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Welby and Andy here to recap another week of Husky Hockey as uh, the Huskies end up sweeping uh, Miami University uh, 5-2 uh, first night and then 3-1 uh, to one the second night. Uh, women, unfortunately, fall uh, one nothing to Minnesota and then 5-1 uh, to empty netters because just Adelski... He, he's going to keep that goalie pulled by damn. So, uh, but uh, not so favorable results as the uh, women's team kind of continues their slide. So uh, we'll start out with the men uh, here. Much needed six points. Uh, Miami, uh, you were in uh, attendance. You went to the trip, uh, the sandy beaches of Miami and uh, the, the sun, the sunblock, uh, get, get a little bit of a tan. Well, it's funny you say that. I, I got a story about that. So I'm in my sandals. I touch down in South Beach and I'm going to my rental, picking up my rental car uh, from the airport. And, you know, maybe just make a chit chat. And the guy's like, so where are you headed? And I said, well, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to go to these hockey games. And he goes, hockey? He's like, I didn't know that there was many teams that played down here going to Panthers game. And I go, no, it's Miami University college hockey we kind of yammered he was clearly confused i did some quick googling and it turns out miami university is in ohio what ohio i was completely baffled i had to to check it a few times like refresh wikipedia to see if maybe it was just a, a joke edit but I verified it, and, um, and so I'm, I'm telling this to the to the rental car um, salesperson, and suggested it is a short 13 hour drive from South Beach to, I guess it's Oxford, Ohio. Hmm. You know, so, I was wondering why the NCHC you know mascot was different than their football mascot the hurricanes. So I guess this makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm still a little confused, Hmm. but I was able to make a long drive as I, as it turned out, I wasn't planning on that. I had to go all the way through, all the way through the night and was able to kind of get my hotel arrangement. It was all sort of rushed at the last minute, but I was able to finally find um, Oxford, Ohio, as it turned out. Mm. And, and so, yeah, I, it, it, it was, I, sh- I guess I need to do better homework, um, in planning the trip, but so this, this podcast, nah, <laughs> but I was able to, to, to check it out. And yeah, so it's in like the Cincinnati area. It's like Southwest Ohio, which I had been there when I was like 10 years old, but not since then. And so, uh, again, having this whole thing planned out, I'm going to have, I'm going to go to these Cuban restaurants that I, I map quested and I had to throw a, an audible late 
And I'm like, well, what 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 are the what are the locals here love? And I, I guess it's this um, this kind of Cincinnati chili. <laughs> so I, oh. I had to to get a couple of those, sample some of the the local cuisine, um, and make a make a good trip out of it. And and it turns out this Oxford is pretty decent little college town. And so mm. all told, um, and then kind of suck it. I had to drive the 13 hours back to Florida to then get my flight back <laughs> to drop off the rental car. I, 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 that was yeah. not as fun, but Jeez, I'm happy you made it. I'm I ma- happy you made it on the podcast. Lots of miles, lots of windshield time. Mm. It's been the magical mystery tour over the last few days, but bearing the lead here. Great to see. I had to go the long way, literally to watch this team break its uh, long schneid. And so if that's what I have to do to keep this winning streak now, we, we, yep. no more losing streak. We got, we're on a winning streak now. If I can keep that going, <laughs> I might just be tempted to uh, to do another magical mystery tour. Just keep it going. There we go. Perfect. Um, so uh, then I got to ask the Skyline Chili, how, how was it? Well, I tried Chili from four different places. And... Wow. The skyline. Now are you are you a meaty chili person or are you like a soupy type chili? In general, meaty for anything. Yeah. Really. Right? I'm a meaty guy more than a soupy yeah. guy. If you can't sure already enough. tell. Um but oh, yeah. uh so this is I had Skyline last. It was at the um yeah, I had that in Oxford. And so I was kind of saving that to the end because there are so many of those. It's they're they're all over the place. When I was driving, sure. even when I was driving through uh, Kentucky, uh, saw some of those there. And so I kind of saved that to the end. Um, uh, a couple of others were more one-off places, and I had never had this kind of chili before. Uh, so the first one I had is something called Camp Washington Chili. It's like a diner. It's 24 hour. It's open 24 hours a day. And so that was my first foray into Cincinnati Chili. That was, I would probably consider it my favorite. Perhaps the fact that I had it first set the bar, set the standard for me. But what I liked about it is it it reminded me more like Sloppy Joe's. That okay. meat and mixture and then they put it on the spaghetti and they put like a, a wig of shredded cheese on top. Then you kind of mix it all together and, and it, it, the cheese melts and pretty good. I don't know if I'd have it every week, but not bad. The others that I went to is one called price Hill chili. And then I had, we went to a brewery um, and I had it, they had a Cincy chili brat. I tried it there. And then the, the Skyline, the last three I had, Skyline being the most extreme of this example, those three kinds of chili, which now I'm kind of thinking this is the standard, really, is it was very sweet. It was very uh, notes of cinnamon, really? cinnamon and nutmeg. I'm trying um, to wrap my head around sweet chili. It's like it, as a chili, not like on a wing. Like obviously it's still like, like savory too. So it's, it's a weird mm. flavor combination that I can understand people being repulsed by it. The skyline in particular, I thought was almost cloyingly sweet. Um, the price or the price Hill was of that style. What I liked the best um, because it wasn't as pronounced 
There's Gold Star Chili. It's another chain. I didn't try that one. Um, but I'm almost wondering that that's kind of what Cincinnati Chili is meant to be or is that, that that's more so what people expect with Cincinnati Chili is a sweeter side, which again, I'm fine with it. It's I, I liked it less than the Sloppy Joe kind of chili. That was the first one that I had. But I'm I like the idea of regional chilies. I feel like I'm surprised that we don't have more variations on chili, which I mean, we have Texas chili, which has no beans and spice. I like spicy. So this Cincinnati chili is not spicy at all. So I could, I could definitely use some kick. Um, The, the best kind of chili variant I like is green chili, which is like a Colorado favorite, but I feel like there, and I'm sure there, there is that I'm just not familiar with other, regional variants of chili across the u.s because those are like the only ones that i can think of but i feel like it's a good basis to have some creativity based on which part of the country you're in and so from that perspective i like that this is different it's definitely distinct of the region and again if i do this road trip again and plan it um uh correctly this time maybe i can really go uh, in, explore some more off because there are some other uh, spots like single one-off uh, chili parlors that I didn't check out. So it's, um it's unique and I'll give it that, even though I wouldn't give it a full rave review, it was still kind of a fun uh, side trip side element of this hockey weekend. So yeah, you might enjoy it if you ever make, if you ever make the trip, at least try it. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just feel like chili in general is so, like, how how families do it is different. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like how I like my chili versus how, like, my mother-in-law makes chili is just completely different. So I think, like, even getting, like, a Minnesota-type chili together, getting us all on the same page, I don't, I don't think is possible <laughs> to right. be like this is official minnesota chili and it's like i don't i don't think i don't think it's gonna work and the one thing about cincy chili is it's not meant to be eaten as a soup where you don't just have a bowl of it you either put it on the spaghetti or you put it on top of some sausage either a brat or a hot dog you don't really have it out of a cup with sour cream on top that I think would, would be seen as being strange. And the, the spaghetti at first, that kind of threw me for a loop, but you know, I'm used to like chili Mac. And so it's, you know, the idea of pasta with chili isn't all that exotic if I think about it that way. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it was for what it tries to do. It's not like trying to be super fancy. Um, it's I, I'll give it like a mild kind of approval. Gotcha. So, um, as far as the arena, then, uh, where would you put it? Because this is your last NCHC, right? Arena. Well, it's the last venue. So I haven't been to the new yep. CC, the, the ropes oh, and arena. That's right. I, I went to world arena several times, but not, uh, I haven't been to the new CC rink, but then I guess every other facility I've been to the, the current venue, um, Omaha bent to both of those. I guess I, I don't. I haven't stopped to think about where I'd rank it. I was impressed. Uh, I don't know if I had it 
like super high expectations for it. But it always it looks cool. It looks like kind of a cool, unique, and maybe like the kind of the facade on one side with the brick and everything. It just kind of looks like a kind of a unique, cool looking rink. Yeah, it is what I've seen, and it's similar. You know how they've been building them, maybe since 2010. Like Amsoil kind of started this trend i mean a little different like arizona state i'm thinking too where it's got basically one full one lower level um and then sort of standing room with ledges on top you kind of um standing room at the top of the section and kind of and limited second deck uh, seating if any this one you can tell was a little bit before that i think it was opened in 06 so like the top ledge, it like, doesn't have like a ledge. It's kind of just the en- ed- edge of the brick. I don't think it's like meant for people to sit there all game, but so it's a little, a little b- before the kind of golden era when we've had a lot of new college hockey rinks open in the last 13, 14 years, a little older than that. But I thought it was, it was really nice. I, I, the one thing is you feel like this would have been a really fun atmosphere when there's a lot of people there. Uh, you know, when this team was going to their peak, you know, right around that 2010 late aughts, uh, early teens era to have that place full. Um, I think it, it would lend itself to being a good uh, atmosphere rink, not just structurally, as it was, I mean, it's not like the place was empty, but certainly the uh, enthusiasm is not as uh, not on the uh, tippy top um, of that program, and so that was a bit lacking. But as far as facility goes, I thought we we sat in the corner uh, on Friday and then more towards the blue line on Saturday. The really good seats, I thought, on Saturday especially. Um, but for, and then we were kind of walking around as well. And I, there didn't seem to be a, a bad spot in the rink to watch the game. And so, yeah, I, I don't know where I would rank it. I mean, in terms of facility, it's certainly better than the herb. It's better than Denver. It's better than Western. Like it doesn't, doesn't match Western's atmosphere, but from a facility standpoint, it's, it's hard to, uh, not beat Western. <laughs> um, I can't put it against CC because I haven't been to the new one. Um, you know, in North Dakota, Duluth, uh, Baxter, these are all tough to top as well, each in their own ways. Yeah. Um, so it's tr- certainly not the worst. I wouldn't say it's the best, but um, it's a solid rink. And I, I, I think it exceeded the expectations that I had, even though I didn't have a ton of high expectations and and the brick you're mentioning too, like that's kind of done. I think intentionally because they tried to like every building on the campus there is made of like red brick and they're all these large, massive, probably late 18th century style buildings. And so I think that that was, that was a, a meaningful architectural decision to sort of keep it consistent with the rest of the um, campus architecture there. Um, I was surprised how big the university is. I I had the impression that Miami was going to be more of a hoity toity kind of, you know, not an Ivy league school, but 
as like a public Ivy is what they say, like elevated academic institution and less so a party school, let's say. Uh, nay, nay. Uh, that place reminded <laughs> right. me of St. Cloud when we were going there. Um, Ooh, there we go. Saturday, I we're going down downtown and there was like six or seven. It was unseasonably warm during this weekend. So that might've had something to do with it, but six or seven of like the front yard is packed to the gills and shirtless dudes and crop tops <laughs> on the chicks and drinking and bags and, and boom boxes and the bars downtown at like 3 PM on Saturday were packed to the gills. And so every one of these, not everyone, but a lot of the campus, uh, housing out like uh, off campus housing they had like names of the of the house i had like a sign on it one was the foster home and it was the foster beer um one was like miss b haven like miss and then the letter b and haven so it was like a sorority house um some clever names in there and so yeah, it, I I was surprised at how sort of boozy it was, and uh, so maybe I need a lower max. More boozy than bougie. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I would right. I would think that. Newfound uh, respect for Miami. All right. Yeah, they can they can crank it up. We went to a bar after the Friday game, and they said, "Um, we're wearing our St. Cloud garb still." And they're like, "Uh, are you Miami students?" <laughs> like, "Uh, no, actually." Like, well, we're only um, we're only letting Miami students in. So they kicked us out for not being Miami students. And so wow. uh, maybe there was some hoity toitiness uh, that I didn't quite expect, yeah. but was okay. able. Well, there's there's some you don't belong here. But I it's mean, some people that don't belong. The The story ends on a good note. We were we were led into several bars who let us drink. <laughs> Oh, okay. So well, that's good. It was all good at the end of the day. Well, well there you go. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, I, I suppose, you don't, know, you don't, know, you know, 18 minutes in, let's, uh, let's talk about the game. <laughs> Might as so, well. Uh, uh, first game, 5 2, um, victory for St. Cloud. Um, and the defense is kind of what stood out to me. Um, you know, I've been dragging them for how long? Uh, but uh, Peart really just uh, flexed his offensive muscle, gets the opening goal, uh, pots in a couple of assists as well. Um, you know, we had Dylan Anhorn get a goal. Cooper Wiley um, got the extra attacker goal on a that was on a delayed penalty, I believe. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. So. It- yeah, it wasn't a yeah extra attacker on a on a delayed penalty situation. It wasn't a uh, empty netter. Still, only have the one empty netter uh, on the year so far this year. Yeah, so um, I'm kind of interested in how um, our kind of thoughts on the games kind of differ, or you know, from you being live versus me uh, kind of watching it. But um, you know, overall, you know, I thought Miami obviously you know right off the hop came out with some good energy, uh, got some pressure on the Huskies a little bit, um, a little bit timid for, for the Huskies, but they weathered that. And then after they got settled in, I don't think there was anything really stopping them. Um, and I'm just going to get this out of the way right now. Yes. Miami is bad 
And yes, we're going to praise the Huskies quite a bit. We know we can take it for a grain of salt because of who this team, who they're playing up against, but you got to win the games in front of you. And that's definitely what they did. Um, so that's, you know, just kind of a little caveat here. Um, you know, so I don't have to keep saying, well, against this team or anything along those lines. So, um, with that, um, yeah, overall, I was uh, really impressed with how they played, especially as the game went on and got more comfortable and, uh, uh, buried some chances that they had. And again, I thought the defense looked, um, incredibly good, especially from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that um, assessment. It was, yeah, the Friday game was kind of weird. I, I I don't think they played their best game. Um, I thought Bassey was a little shaky as well. Um, but I agree that the defense was definitely improved from what it had been the last month and change. Good to see some offensive production from that group, as well as they were cutting down on their sloppiness and their turnovers as well. Uh, but that first period, as you mentioned, I think the first 10 minutes, St. Cloud only having one shot, something like that. And then, um, as you mentioned, the two goals late in that period, and just on six shots. I mean, at one point, they had the, when they scored the fourth goal, that was the fourth goal on 11 shots at that point, early in the third. Whereas if you, you contrast that against Saturday's first period, they almost had more shots or as many shots, let's say, I think it was 18 in the first, then they had all of the game on Friday, which they had 19 in the game on Friday, just 20 for Miami. So it's not like it was, uh, they were heavily outshot, but um, it was a game that I, I mean, you get the uh, Miami scores very early, both into the second, but especially the third period scored 13 seconds in. And you're at that point, three to two. And you're thinking, okay, here we go. Here's another collapse that we've seen over, over the last few weeks. Credit to the Huskies. They were able to come back shortly after that and really ice the game with those two quick goals with uh, Hall and Wiley to put the game kind of out of reach. Um, like I said, Bassey wasn't great, but he, he made some key saves that he needed to. But more so, it was impressive, or, or at least it was uh, reassuring to see the defense step up in a way that they really haven't been of late deliver a solid performance. And this was more of an opportunistic. I think that's the word he used earlier, opportunistic kind of offense for the Huskies in this game and um, taking advantage of, of some Miami sloppiness. Um, Interesting Mm -hmm. kind of some, some lineup shuffling. We saw Nick ports in the lineup, buddy, that was going to the games with her. It was like, yeah, I haven't seen much of ports at all really had that one game against North Dakota last month. But I think before that he hadn't played since the first half and a little bit puzzling, but that first goal, I'll give him the uh, props on that for setting that one up. Nice, nice play sort of in front of the net and goes for a wraparound. I thought he was going to try to shoot on the wraparound, but then finds Peart and great pass and Mm -hmm. uh, able to set him up. And so ports stepping in, uh, in a role that he hasn't been, uh, he hasn't been cracking the lineup, uh, really at all of late. And he's able to, to get some production to the extent where they, um, moved him up in the line shuffle line pairings and Saturday to not as good effect, I'll say, but, um, able to get some contributions from guys like that, that normally don't see the ice, which is nice to see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, not their prettiest win of the year. I'll, I'll give my, 
pat on the back to myself. I had the pick to click for Miami, John Waldron goal and an assist. He is a Husky killer um, officially, yeah. but um, I thought able uh, Bruveris for as much as I'm saying Bassey kind of wasn't his best. Bruveris was not great either for Miami. No, and so no. uh, after the Friday game, it's not like you stole one, but it's not like you routed them either, even though a three goal margin seems comfortable. Uh, I coming into the weekend, I said, I think they're going to win on Friday and lose on Saturday. So this is kind of holding serve for me. Um, not thrilled, but obviously we'll take it and first regulation win in quite a while the calendar year. So relatively upbeat after that Friday win. Um, I believe gross, uh, was a late scratch on Friday. Um, so that's kind of what got, uh, ports into lineup. And like you said, I was overall pretty happy with how he played. Um, and then I also thought, um, the one thing I will comment on that, because with that, with gross being out, what they did is they moved Ingram to center again. I'm less and less a fan of that. Um, because it feels like how he's been pretty good, even in this slump for the team, he's been pretty good because I think on the wing, he doesn't overthink it too much when, when he's center, he feels like he's got to do too much. So he's in this middle ground of do I play make? Do I just take the shot feeling like he was a little less selfish because of the role that he was on. And sometimes, especially with him, I think selfishness is a, is a virtue for his game because he's best as a finishing type rather than a a pure playmaker. And so I think it was good to see him back at the wing on Saturday Mm -hmm. when gross was back in the lineup, but it's just another example of, you do have this line shuffling, which I'm not totally against, but we feel like some of these roles have become a little bit more clearly defined. And one for me that I feel is, is definitely defined is Ingram is way better not playing yeah. center. Yep. I agree. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, that wasn't the only shuffling because we had um, the, the first line on the yep. on the uh, on the sheet was Saltquist uh, was the center between Kupka and Okabe. Yeah, breaking which... up Molinar, putting him on the fourth line with Ports, yep. um, and then Molinar got benched on Saturday. Um, again, yep. we've mentioned his struggles, no goals in fourteen games now, and now he's being benched. But well, and I think I think also he's nursing an injury from a shot block that he had. That could be as well. Oh as well so i think it's kind of a mixture of of both but yeah i mean his last goal was um you know we mentioned it last show it was against duluth that two to one game winner for duluth back in november and so it's been quite quite a while um uh and then the next game uh the shuffling kind of continued uh with um or uh, Gross was able to get back in the lineup. But they're, they're putting him, win. they put ports with him and Ingram rather than a coin. Mm-hmm. They dropped a coin down to the fourth line. Again, I really liked that Gross, Ingram, and coin pairing. I wish they would have just maintained that. You want to keep ports in lineup? I, I think he played well enough on Friday to warrant the action on Saturday, but I would prefer him to just sub in for Molinar on the fourth line rather than playing with... Um, with Ingram and gross with which that line didn't seem to click as much as a coin had with that, those other two players. 
but you're yeah. you know you're going to be shuffling guys in. Larson's shown a um, tendency to to not be set and have these lines being set in stone. We saw Caleb Teeson as well. His first action in a while, I thought he was kind of rough on Saturday. Uh, mm-hmm. I would prefer at this point Clark just play because I think Teeson's a bit of a defensive liability. But he was on the trip. You see him whenever you see a a young twenty early twenties dude in a suit and tie and a stocking cap. That's like the international sign for college hockey player. And so you saw <laughs> him and gross. And I'm like, yep, oh, those are those two. So he was on the trip. I don't think they brought gray on the trip. And so we'll get into posh getting the start on Saturday, but mm-hmm. I don't believe gray was there from what I can tell my buddy that I went to the game with flew in the same plane that the team did down to Cincinnati, but they ended up busing back. That still doesn't make any sense to me. So they flew there and then they busted back after Saturday, after the game on Saturday. One thing that that screams to me is cost saving measure (laughs) budget. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But so I think they weren't, they weren't um, traveling with the full uh, roster. So yeah, you bring, you haul Caleb Teeson down there, you know, might as well get something out of him, and so he gets some action there on Saturday. But uh, so that is does that does make it interesting to see the the guys being shuffled in and out of the lineup, and for the most part, good contributions from those guys this weekend. And kind of with that, a guy who um, was kind of in and out of the lineup, but has been a mainstay um, the past couple of weeks on the defense is uh, Tynan Ewart. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I thought overall he had a really strong weekend. I think this was kind of the most that I've noticed him. Yeah. He's uh, he's settling into his role. I think as he does have an offensive uh, mindset um, earlier. I thought in the season, he was a little shaky on the defensive side of things, less of that lately. You could say that really about the entire team. I mean, aside from Tyson, <laughs> but the, the regulars, we saw less of those kind of, uh, heart skipping risky uh, breakout passes and neutral zone turnovers perhaps that's what i was so happy to see and and perhaps you're right where a lot of that is chalked up to miami is the is the opponent here and they're not going to make as much hay on those kind of turnovers because there were a couple of those you're always going to have a few of those every game it's just because they've become so frequent and so costly for the huskies over the last few weeks Nice to see that not uh, rear its ugly head and said on that Friday, got all these defensemen um, contributing on the score sheet. You had, as you mentioned, three points from Peart, two from Wiley, assist for Tynan Ewart. I mean, uh, Anhorn had a goal each game. And so uh, good to see the uh, the offensive production not being counterbalanced by sloppiness on the defensive side uh, of the of the ice. So definitely a good weekend. Um, for the team overall, but especially the, uh, the defensive core. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, switching over Saturday's game. Uh, yeah, we had, uh, uh, posh, uh, get, gets the starts. Um, and overall kind of this game, you know, first period, it, it was, it was another one of those, situations where we dominate the first period but we only kind of get out there with one goal lead so a little bit uh, a little bit frustrating there we weren't able to kind of get um get more momentum you know pop in another goal there before the end of the period so um 
Which has yeah, been kind of like, how these we mentioned yeah. going over the last couple of weeks, talking about all the dominant periods against uh, North Dakota had a couple of them. Omaha, you had a couple of them. Didn't have any in CC. That was kind of the main difference. Denver, the last second Denver game, third period there. But the, the thing about those periods, yes, he's lopsided shot advantages. I'll make the correction. 16 to 6 for the Huskies and shots in the first period on Saturday. But like those other ones that we've mentioned, just the one goal in the period. And so it's like you have these dominant periods. You know, con- contrast that to the Friday game where it's six total shots and just yeah. one, I think, 10 minutes in. But you, you get out of the period up to nothing. Whereas in this second the game against Miami, you get the lopsided shot advantage, but you're only up by one. That's kind of a hockey. Hockey's weird kind of thing. Hockey's weird. But yeah. it was it was good to see one of those periods because we didn't see any of that in the CC weekend and really not even on Friday night against Miami. And so it's nice to see them able to just dominate. But that seemed to be kind of a distant memory by the time the second and then the third came along and Miami had tied it. And yeah, at that point you're kind of thinking, yes, because you weren't able to pop in a couple uh, during that first period and it, it kind of create a comfortable lead, you know, the margin was tight and Miami was able to tie it up. Weird goal there, had a three on two for the Huskies broken up. And then this Molten for Miami comes in on a, you know, he's like one on three, puts a little backhand in on, on Posh, who I thought was Posh. pretty good all game. That one was one he wants back, I bet. Kind of leaked yeah. through him. Um, he made some great saves uh, throughout the game. That one was was not one of them, uh, but uh, kind of a backbreaker because you're thinking you're, you've been dictating play this entire game, and this is kind of the trend of what's happening the last six, eight weeks, whatever it is since the, since the new year started. And, and so you're kind of thinking, okay, here we go. And I'm thinking here's the other shoe drop and here's the Saturday uh, follow-up to a Friday defeat and just kind of waiting for Miami to break through. And really after that goal, you know, six, seven minutes to go in the second period. And then until St. Cloud was able to, to get the eventual game winner halfway through the third, I thought there was a good amount of pressure for Miami, some good scoring chances that, Posh had to come up huge. And what I'll tell him, say about him is he just, for some reason, and maybe it's because I haven't seen him too much. This is just his fifth game that he started, but uh, he just, he exudes more confidence in me when he's making saves. It's not as, he's not as active around the crease, not up and down as much as Bassey tends to be. He just has a more calming presence, I think. And so when Miami was threatening and pressuring with a lot of, uh, a lot of chances pass you or uh, Posh was up to the task. And um, I thought he played a very good game, you know, with the asterisk that the goal that he did give up, I'm sure is one that he wants back. Yep. Um, yeah. I was really happy with how he played. And again, it gives me a, a really good feeling in the future. Um, you know, if he's going to be our, our one kind of going forward, um, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a good one to good one to have. Um, and then obviously who knows what's going to happen kind of the rest of the year. Um, you know, if we're going to start going to a goaltending rotation or, you know, if uh, Larson's still going to kind of say Bassey's our guy, but I would think that Bassey like, like against Western this next series, um, by weekend this, this coming weekend, but next games against Western, if I'm going to guess like how it's going to be played, it, it's you know, Bassey will get Friday and depending Probably. on his Friday performance, 
he may get the second start, but it might be posh on Saturdays. Like I would expect Bassey to get the Western games. He shot him off his last time out and two wins against Western earlier in the year. He is the veteran. Coaches tend to go with the vets. So yeah. I would expect Bassey, I don't think he's lost his job, but I think he's lost and not just this weekend. Obviously he was fine on Friday, but over the course of the year, I feel like he's lost the grip on I'm the definite two night a weekend starter. That I think certainly is has slipped uh, through his fingers, and which is good in my me. opinion. Good, it's good to have yeah. competition. It, 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 it mm-hmm. I think it raises the level of of everyone on roster, not just the goaltenders. Um, to know that there's no such thing as a, you know, there's no well, I can't use the there's no scholarships metaphor in in college because there literally is, but <laughs> that's what they would say in like pro sports. So, but that no one has a job here on lockdown. It's a good message to send. And and I, I didn't, you know, we had heard like a month ago that Posh was week to week. Never really knew what the health status of him was. So seeing him listed as the second goaltender on Friday was a good sign. And it wasn't hard for me to kind of do the math in my head that, well, if he's made the trip, he's probably going to get a start. And so good to see him between the pipes on Saturday. Well, you're not going to go on a road trip with just one goalie. Of so, course. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Tyson. You're bringing them along. You might as well get the most out of them. Might, might as well. Um, yeah. They're, they're taking up a bus, a bus seat. That's right. Uh, for the way back. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know, first goal uh, was Ingram on the power play. I liked how the power play looked. I liked them kind of going and working down low. Um, and it was just kind of a great passing play all around. Um, and um, for uh, uh, for uh, Kupka, uh, you know, to to find uh, Ingram kind of kind of sitting there and he buries it. It was um, just overall, you know, not not trying to saddle on that one play, that one one timer. Um, it yes. looks like you know, I don't think we even attempted that this time. Um, not that we had too many power play opportunities on either side, right. uh, refs really put their whistles away here for this series. So, um, but it was a good, um, you know, I, I like the changes that were, that were being made. So, um, I wasn't as, I guess, worried as the game was going on, even when they tied it, I just, eh, okay. Maybe I was a little bit worried, but like, I was like, I was like, as long as we get the next one, I think we've got this one Um, just because how posh was playing, how the defense was playing. And just the fact that that one goal was just kind of a fluke leaker. Anyway, I was just like, I don't, I don't think Miami is as, as got, you know, I was more worried about it going into overtime than actually losing. um, If that makes any sense. But I was like, once uh, Anhorn was able to pop the, uh, the second goal and, you know, I was like, okay, we got this. It's going to be a win. Okabe gets the insurance goal uh, on a on a play down low um, that uh, we were able to get the sweep and a, and a big six points to, to solidify our second place standing here for another two weeks as um, the next team uh, behind us isn't able to catch us this weekend. Yeah, mentioning the goal scorers uh, as both games also got to mention – some great uh, feeds this weekend mentioned the ports play to set up the pure goal. 
Kupko, two great assists on the goals, um, the Ingram and then the Okabe play. Nice cross pass to Okabe, their insurance goal without needing to pull the goaltender, which is always nice. Um, mm-hmm. And then I thought a great assist from Barrett Hall to find Barrett Hall. Uh, Anhorn to get the game winner. So some real nice passing plays in the offensive zone. These were not cheap assists, I'll say it that way. Um, and uh, and spreading the the offense around with you know, a bunch of different scorers this weekend. It, uh, it's definitely good to see. And yeah, that should be the result of an offense like this that's generating as much chance as they had been even during the uh, the low point of their slump. I guess it's official that they're no longer slumping with the two straight wins here in Miami. But uh, good to see the offense um, well-rounded in its approach. As you mentioned, not relying on the Miettinen play uh, on the power play. Um, Miettinen's not like he wasn't uh, productive on the weekend either. You know, two assists, I think, on in, in both games uh, for Alpha. So uh, good to see that. And yeah, it's it's hard to be upset about this weekend. It's again, I tempering our expectations here because it, it was kind of, as you mentioned, a six points or nothing kind of weekend. If you really wanted to get back into pairwise position and solidify your status as, you know, a contender and one that's on the right side of the pairwise bubble, you really need to take care of business and get six points this weekend. And it wasn't necessarily easy, but it never is, especially on the road. And so they needed to, they did what they needed to do. And it's good to see that because they haven't been doing that lately. Yeah, very true. Um, I wasn't going to avail this until uh, a little bit later, but since you brought it up. CHN Pairwise Probability Matrix. We are officially live with really? the CHN Probability Matrix. I did not uh, know this. This is good. It, it just dropped during the show, actually. Wow. I saw it about 10 minutes ago uh, that, that we got it. Uh, so you haven't looked at it yet, right? I have not. If you were to guess St. Cloud State's percentage at this moment in time for the pairwise probability matrix, what percentage would you say? So they, well, they're at 13 or 14. They they would have been within the top 14, I believe. I'm now, pretty sure that's correct. Beanpot's going on right now. So I guess it's pending some results there that could move the RPI. But we were tied in comparisons. With Cornell. Um, with Cornell and one thousandth of a point was the RPI. That was tied for 13th. So technically they'd 13th. be 14th. So, yep. So that would be, I would say it's going to be over 50%, but not much more. I'll, I'll say 52%. 74. Really? That is way higher than I expected. Yeah. yeah I, I, I expected about 55. Um, Especially with how um, the rise, um, you know, that we're seeing of, you know, I believe it's of Cornell as yeah. of late. Um, yeah, they haven't lost, how, I think, 12, 12 games, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was around Christmas time here. They were sitting in the, you know, 21-ish range. And again, ECAC, right now it's just Quinnipiac. Um but, you know, obviously with Cornell kind of knocking on that door, taking another spot, which. What's Cornell's uh, uh, percentage? Uh, Cornell's per- 71. Okay. Where is it? I, I've even re- refreshed then, yeah, the page. I can't find it. 
And then Michigan the... is, uh, yeah, Michigan down to 37 and Colorado College at 38. Okay. So. Ooh, and, ooh. Uh, late... so that's a big drop off right there. Uh, refresh your page once more because uh, with, with Northeastern Uh-oh. beating BU, that actually drops Cornell a, 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 a comparison. So now St. Cloud is actually tied for 11th with 52 comparisons with Western and Providence. So they're actually and above, Providence. above Whoa. Cornell now. So I bet that might change the, uh, the probability matrix even slightly. What did you say? Um, 74%. I don't know if that was different from what it was. No, it, it wasn't. No, it wasn't different. I probably, when I just pulled it up, they probably still had the result that that result in. So, oh, but no, I see the. Uh, it was last updated. It says eight fifteen for me, which is twenty minutes oh. ago. So that's that's this probability matrix is not factoring in the uh, northeastern oh, win over BU. This probability matrix isn't up to date yet. So it's probably even higher than seventy four percent. But oh, just just smash refresh, Woden. What are you doing right now? Get on this. <laughs> it's, it's Monday at the bean pot. You've got to be up watching that. Well, I think that final went, it was an overtime win for Northeastern. I think it went final like uh, 30 seconds ago. So give it a little right. bit of time. I'll, I'll give Woden a pass this, just this time, just this time. <laughs> so, um, well, what does that tell you as far as, I mean, it is just a number. Um, I'll say this as far as like upcoming schedule, you got Western, you got Denver next two series, both at home. These are both teams also within the pairwise on the right side of the pairwise positioning. If you would have dropped one of these games to Miami, not only would you be lower in pairwise, you'd probably be closer to 15th where you were coming into the weekend, but that probably ramps up the, the needed task in terms of these two teams that you're coming uh, that, that are next on the schedule. Uh, you probably could split these next two series and tread water right at where you're at a win against both, te- you know, top 11 teams ish. Um, you're not going to drop too much with that. It, again, it's depending on other teams around you in the pairwise, if they do better than that, or, or if teams above you do worse, you could even, you can even raise, rise with uh, with with splits these two weekends, mm-hmm. and so whereas if you were to drop one of these games, you might have to go out and sweep Western or sweep Denver to make up for that lost uh, RPI points. So I mean, again, I, I don't want to say just split out, but you know, it makes the the task that much manageable, uh, reasonable, let's say, and so. It was a good weekend in that respect. It puts you back on the right side of the bubble. And hopefully with this week of rest, it'll get you prepared for the stretch run here. And hopefully we're not going to take another off weekend until uh, April. So, so yeah, I did not know. Thank you for letting me know that the, we are in that time of year. Cause we know if once we hear that sounder, uh, we're, we're getting close to the end here. So it's, it's always good to hear. Like only in only in college hockey is something so crazy to where Northeastern winning in overtime against BU would raise our pairwise and drop Cornell. Like it's just <laughs> like like I get by like I get the reason behind it and the comparisons and 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 whatnot, but just 
It's a weird system. And we just have to recognize that. It was because Cornell beat BU earlier in the year, which is their best win this year. But with BU's loss to Northeastern, that dips the quality of uh, BU's. It was probably just the the factor of the they were up by 0.001% in RPI. That probably dropped them down like 0.0002, just so it dipped them right underneath. (laughs) So they're right. I mean, they could have a good weekend. I, I think yeah. they play this weekend. So if, if they sweep this weekend, then they'll pop the Huskies again. But no. So um, back to this weekend, um, just kind of looking at. Um, you know, I, I just want to say last week we were talking about uh, prop bets. Um, I, I do have. Uh, one thing that slipped my mind is that one prop bet did cash out. I think I even teased that, and I didn't get back to it. And that's the over on Augustana wins. Um, was which, which a, they made? Yeah, I mean, which was, they yeah, made. They swept St. Thomas this last weekend. But did they make it? Yeah. Did they reach it prior to that? They reached it prior to that. So. Are we counting um, regulate or. Uh, Overtime wins in that as well. I guess. I guess we were. What? What was uh, the over under eight? Or was it seven, seven, and, seven and a half? And seven and a half. What are they at right now? They're at ten. They're at ten now with seven so. regulation wins. Let's let's make oh, sure they get so one if, more regulation win okay, just to cover all, right. all our bases. All right. So Vegas is not betting that one out. So a lot of you ticket holders are probably a little bit ticked right now that uh, they're getting they're they're keeping your money on a technicality. Um, well, I wouldn't hold your breath. But, they got Lake State and Anchorage coming up next to the series. I figure they can get one one regulation win out of those four games. Um, I have, uh, but we we did have a battle of Mietnans versus Sulquist, and uh, the the Mietnan Bros had six points on the weekend, so they're only six points away from meeting their over under. Uh, Solquist nice. still needs one goal, so it's got the uh, prop bet on top of the prop bet there to see yeah, who. Gets, so now the prop bet that. goes. It's uh, yeah, who's first? So it's uh, so that race is heating up too, as uh, the Mietnan brothers, like you said, no goals, but nifty passing on all fronts for them. Um, I want to go back to a good 15 minutes ago when you were talking about um, the turnovers, the lack of turnovers, um, you know, fewer turnovers and obviously less costly turnovers. Um, And I I felt like our wings did a better job coming back and supporting the defense. You could tell that was kind of a mainstay and a focus of this last practice week. And I just felt like some of the breakouts were just a little bit cleaner, a little bit easier because we had, you know, so much more um, help coming back. You know, people weren't rushing to kind of go off trying to create these stretch passes that, you know, were kind of always off the mark. So uh, that was another adjustment that I I like to see. And I hope that kind of continues for the Huskies. Okabias is one thing I, I noticed. He's, he's making a more concerted effort to play a physical game. I feel like there's several plays or times this weekend where I'm like, geez, Cobby going for the big blow up in the middle of the rink. Didn't really feel like that's part of his game, but um, perhaps a little bit more physicality uh, is, is a way to have a more well-rounded game. For me, it's Okabi just 
do what you did in that with that third goal. Just pop in the uh, convert on those nice cross ice passes from uh, from Kuka like that. Just do that more often. I, I don't need you to <laughs> to bring the bring the noise uh, so much, but just an observation. Just a little bit of the funk. That's right. So uh, then uh, your pow. Who do you got? It's a tough. It's kind one. of an interesting week. It is a tough one because I was thinking earlier. Before the show, I suppose, like no, no obvious choice. Posh just playing one game in the weekend kind of cancels him out. He had some good defensive play this week. And I wanted to give it to the defenseman. Here it's up there. Three point, three point night and really didn't, didn't have any qualms about his defensive play this weekend it's definitely not no, great I, I, I thought he was i thought he was very good What's especially good? with how bad that he has been i might yeah it's it's probably he's probably my my one a i'll go with anhorn though uh, even though he didn't put up the amount of points that either i think even wiley might have out, outpointed him this weekend but anhorn especially on that last goal and throughout the weekend i think was asserting himself again this isn't maybe the peak of what we had imagined um anhorn could be coming into the season but again i because i have to i i seem to judge him based on expectations and i i don't think that's 100 percent fair if i just strip those expectations away and appreciate what i've seen in front of me he is a damn good defenseman and a, a, a mm-hmm. damn good quarterback of an offense from that from that blue line. I just I do like that player type. Um, and this was one of those weekends where he was seemingly dictating a lot of the action when he was on the ice. He was well aware of his presence, and he was able to pop in that key, you know, game winning goal uh, on Saturday. A huge goal for them, and so. Not an easy pick, but I feel like I don't know if I've picked him for a pile this year. So I'll go ahead and do that right now. Sure enough. Um, I actually am a little bit surprised that you went with Anhorn because that was my pick as well. <laughs> so um and it was just um you know, two and you know, technically the first one although it does count as a game winning goal because he scored the third goal with the other two, you know, Miami scoring two. I always kind of look at those with a little bit of an asterisk um, for that stat, but having, you know, the second one, one one-to-one game in the third period coming in with a true game winning um, uh, goal, uh, how, how it kind of sets up. It's, you know, I, I just thought he was his poise and his presence all weekend. I, I thought he was just, it was, I was just so happy with how the defense played overall and how he was able to, um, you know, convert on the chances that he had, but also making some good plays out in the back end too, um, to make it even, you know, a little bit easier for, you know, for Bat, Bassey and Posh. So that uh, was my pick um, as well. Which again, kind of, kind of surprised me. I thought uh, just with it's, so many other people, I didn't think it's that, a little uh, unsettling when we agree, right? Well, let's go with uh, go Huskies. Woo. Um, 
Also agreed with the the uh, power play with Ingram on the point, then rotated and crashed the net. Kupka found him streaking. Really liked the power play design. Um, they entered the zone more swiftly um, and seemingly less up the boards, uh, but um, felt that they controlled the zone. I thought Posh looked really good. Ryman Speed is a difference maker. I'd like to give him an audition on the first line. Um, we didn't really talk about Ryman that much, but him back into the lineup too. I believe he was out. Let me just check my notes here. I know looking at the box score on Saturday, I didn't realize this um, in, in the building, I suppose. It's harder for me to to look at metrics and all that kind of stuff, but according to CHN, 0 for 10 in faceoffs. On Saturday, just need to improve that a little bit. Yeah, well, that's yeah that that'll be. It's it's uh, an anomaly. He's obviously been way better than that, um, much closer to fifty percent. But uh, struggled on the on the on the draws again. If we're if we're trusting Woden, which is never never a hundred percent sure thing. But um, yeah, I mean, he's been impressive. I don't know if I'd say first line, but if it depends on what you mean by first line. Because if that means the Salquist line, then sure you can. Yeah, you can I think he means the like, uh, line. Kupka and like Okabe. Yeah. I guess that's like our top line now. So sure. Um, yeah, I I think what his kind of thought process uh, goes along the lines of just with Ryman Speed creating more chances and being probably a better offensive tool than. Um, uh, Saltquist is uh, now obviously as far as points go, you know, Ryman doesn't have the points either when it comes to it. So that that's still, but like, I just think maybe, you know, creating some of those chances and um, just with how fast uh, Ryman is and how quickly he can get, you know, kind of in position and on the puck and create some chaos here for the, uh, for the opposing defense. I think he just kind of like that and maybe give Kupka some opportunities as well. Um, and I, 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 I'd like to see it. I think that would be kind of an interesting. Uh, I'm not opposed to it. And Larson's yep. shown an ability or a willingness, let's say, to shuffle lines up. And so I wouldn't. I would definitely not be opposed to it. In, in that theory, would be a big shuffle for him, considering how much he loves some Salquist. <laughs> well, he finally broke up Molinar, or he, he disattached Molinar from that line again. Maybe I. I are you saying that you thought that there might've been an injury concern? That's why he didn't play on Saturday. Correct. Okay. I didn't hear that. I just figured the 14 game drought that it was performance based. So maybe that made the decision for him. But the fact that I was like a little surprised cause he's, that's like the one line he's kept together all year. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he was willing to break it up told me maybe he's willing to, to move on from that line being set in stone, but perhaps that is injury related and we're just waiting for Molinar's health to return to see that line back in action. Uh, I think fourth line, including Jack Rogers. So nice little dig there. Uh, very good on the weekend, uh, caused some disruptions and made the Red Hogs really work. Um, didn't really show on the score sheet, but they were noticeable. Uh, VT, Peart, and Horn all had strong weekends, but his pow was Okabe. Uh, felt like he did a lot to free up folks. Still a little too dipsy doodle sometimes, uh, but the numbers were there and he had a strong weekend. Um, so that his pow is Okabe. Good pick. 
So, um, anything else kind of, uh, about the weekend or we could just go right ahead, pivot to around college hockey on the men's side in general. Sure. Um, anything kind of stick out to you, uh, when it comes to the nationwide scene? Um, obviously big news, uh, coming out of Stonehill college. Oh, yeah. With uh, with their first win of the uh, existence of them, you know, playing that whatever pseudo season that they had um, last year, uh, where they were kind of D one, kind of not, but yes, D one. I don't know. It was weird, but um, yeah, they were able to uh, go ahead and and uh, take a victory from Lindenwood. Um, who waxed them the other night. So just, again, just hockey being hockey. Yeah, you, you lose. How do you lose after, to a team after you beat them 10 to 1 on their home yeah. rink? Uh, I, I don't quite get that. I, I was even so excited because now it's the two games they play, Stonehill I'm talking about, against the D3 teams. And I was to the extent where I'm scouting these D3 teams. <laughs> St. Anselm and then Assumption. I'm like, Assumption's the the top team in their league in D3. They're like, they got like a 22-4 and four record or something. I'm like, well, that, that's a route for them. The St. Anselm <laughs> was the one tricky one because they're like, you know, seven or eight games below 500. That Anna Maria that they lost to earlier in their Stonehill lost to Anna Maria. They were, you know, a couple of games over 500, so not great, but 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 solid. So I was kind of circling the St. Anselm game, which is tomorrow. Um, but now I don't care. It's like the, the dream is dead. Uh, uh, it's just uh, a shame. And yeah, mentioning too with Okabe's goal late in the game, precluding the, uh, I mean, Miami still pulled the goalie. St. Cloud didn't score. But that uh, ties it up. The uh, St. Cloud and Stonehill have the same amount of empty net goals this year, both <laughs> with one, because Stonehill was able to pop one in in their one win this year. And St. Cloud's still stuck on the one that uh, Kupka got, I believe, in uh, in Omaha. So fun, fun fact there. And yes, uh, teardrop uh, pouring out the dream. for the uh, the Stonehill Sto- uh, Skyhawks. Yeah, the dream is dead. That's that's a bummer. It's a good run, and they can still they still have inside track to get the to have the lowest RPI of any team in the pairwise era, which I think they did the you know looking at it they could win probably a couple, two or three more games this year and still be the lowest team ever in the last twenty years. So there's still a job to be done, and I'm waiting for that to happen. But yeah, it's kind of a light, light weekend. Uh, yeah, I didn't watch a ton of games more, you know, less than I usually do because I was uh, perched on a bar stool uh, and uh, not as not perched in my living room with three screens with me. But it's a light weekend too. In in the NCAA, she just had the Western and CC series. Or in the uh, we're in the two the the. The two series uh, portion yeah. of the NCHC season. Got one of those uh, coming up this weekend. So the you know uh, the bye week, kind of how they fall. Um, we got this. Uh, this one was a bye week for four teams, and then switch those four teams out for for next weekend um, with the four teams that did play this weekend. Um, now they're on the bye, obviously including St. Cloud State. So 
Yeah, so we had Western um, taking four points from Omaha with a, a route on Friday and then an overtime loss on Saturday. Uh, we'll talk more about Western next week when we preview that series, St. Cloud's next opponent. Um, nationally, I mean, Quinnipiac lost a game to St. Lawrence on Friday, which is a bit of an upset. Uh, you've mentioned Cornell's uh, continuing their winning ways. All sweeps in the Big Ten, including Wisconsin and Michigan State. Big, big one for Michigan State, which... May have helped the Huskies too with dropping Michigan down. Dropping Michigan spots. down, yep. Uh, and it's really kind of between those two teams. Wisconsin's uh, with if they sweep this weekend, they've they've got two games in hand against Michigan State, and they play Ohio State, the bottom feeder for uh, the Big Ten. If Wisconsin can sweep that series, um, they would vault into first place. You circle that last regular season series uh, between those two teams, M- Michigan State at Wisconsin. Just rewind a year and a think, year. Yeah. And think <laughs> Michigan State at Wisconsin for all the marbles in for the Big the Ten regular Big season 10. title. That's likely what's, I mean, even if Wisconsin doesn't, you know, run the table between then and that series, they do have a road series against Ohio State and Penn State, the two six and seven place teams in the conference. Even if they go three and four or three and one, that will still likely match that series up as a winner take number one seed um, series. And yeah, keep an eye on that. If we're thinking St. Cloud, I don't want to be so crazy to assume that they're back in the tournament after this last weekend, but thinking St. Cloud's going to be in that four seed range. It's good chance. You're going to see maybe that top big 10 team in the tournament. And right now it's looking like Wisconsin or Michigan state. So yeah, think about that. Like uh, playing Wisconsin in Lindenwood in the first round in front of uh, 800 fans at the Blues practice rink. Bring it on, baby. That's what I say. But yeah, not uh, not the most uh, you know intriguing weekend. Most because it just wasn't a ton of games. But yeah, just uh, just because I want to drag Penn State a little bit. Um... Because it's always a good time to drag Penn State. <laughs> Just looking at their, again, their schedule and everything. Their overall record, 12-13-3. and 8-2 non-conference record uh, for them, which obviously is, is, is filled with, um, you know, not great teams. Um and yeah, sitting in the Big Ten, four eleven and three in conference play. Ohio Just State absolutely. looks at that and raises you one <laughs> because they're sitting at nine fifteen and four, and that includes a one fifteen and two record in conference. So eight zero oh, and two in their equally cupcake non conference schedule. That includes a, a tie to Lindenwood. Um, but didn't lose any of those games, at least. But yeah, just one win in conference for Ohio State's team that was the, in the tournament last year. How the mighty have fallen with the Buckeyes. But uh, yeah, Penn State couldn't, you know, of all their vaunted offense, putting up 50 shots a game in their home games. Not like those aren't inflated totals, of course. But yeah, they get shut out back-to-back three-to-nothing losses at, uh, at the Gophers this last weekend. So that vaunted offense... Did not show up at uh, at Mariucci. It's a shame. Yeah. It's a bummer. So, 
Um, and then uh, uh, no game uh, this weekend uh, to preview uh, for the men. So why don't we uh, switch it over to the other side uh, for the women? Um, home and home series with uh, with uh, the uh, Golden Gophers. Um, same start times, which uh, annoyed me, <laughs> but it is what it is, and I understand that. But six o'clock uh, start time for the women uh, and the men also six o'clock local time. Uh, so, so I had to do a little bit of a uh, juggling there when it comes to the games. Actually, it didn't really matter for me because I had a school function for my daughter to go to. So I had to catch all of those on tape delay, but still one of those things like kind of updating back and forth. Um, you know, I would have liked to been able somehow to catch one of those games. Um, anyway, that aside, um, a one nothing loss uh, against uh, the Gophers on on Friday, and um, obviously Abby Murphy gets the goal because that's all she does is score and take penalties. So she does two things. She did two things this weekend. She scored and she took penalties. So that she she filled up both of those stats. She she, um, she, she hadn't she she'd been doing the penalties against St. Cloud earlier this year. Mm-hmm. They've been doing you know racking up the penalty minutes. But hadn't scored, which was a big, a big key I thought coming into this weekend. If you're able to do that again, advantage Huskies. But she she comes to bite you on the score sheet as well as in the physicality game. And just like the, the the heel game, even the Gopher announcer was mentioning. She's like doing. I was like late in the game of the third. She's like she's doing like a scoreboard taunt there at the end. Like <laughs> she's she got to be one of the most hated players. Like oh god yeah i bet everyone hates her oh women. yeah 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 so um you know as far as friday's goal um there was a kind of a really good segment uh bear with me here if you want to listen to uh adolski in his segment um and kind of what his thought was uh, on on the friday game uh at the at the conference so um i'll kick it to that quick and i'll hit you on the other side yeah but we got a score and yeah, that about sums it up for for everything uh, there. Just it's yeah. very deep, uh, very detailed. I know you had to sit through a long, a long <laughs> spiel there. Lots of coaches, coach speak, but a lot um, of coach speak there. Yeah, that about sums it up for me. Uh, I've been saying so, it for weeks now. It's, it's just, yeah, it's it's a shame because it's not like they didn't have the chances, especially on on the in the first period on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, they played excellent in the first period on Friday. But not Which, able to I break mean, through. first period against Wisconsin, too. Um, I guess that was back at the Herb um, earlier in the season. But it's it's been a recurring theme kind of for the Huskies. It's uh, where it's you're having these dominating periods and you're doing everything right. But, you know, for some reason, it's like the, tar- the goalie has a big target right in the middle of their midsection. And all the pucks just magically go there anytime you get a good chance. So it was, it, it, I was really happy with overall how the Huskies played um, on that Friday game. And, you know, even some of that Saturday game, I just look at Minnesota's 23, five and one record. And it's just, I'm still going to say it. I don't think they're that good. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. They're just better than the Huskies. I'm sorry to say yeah. it. Like I, I, I wish that was different because I feel like this is a team that's just ripe for the picking, you know, Skylar Vetter mentioned about her recent struggles. 
She puts up the the shutout win on Friday. They do have this Morgan that's been splitting time with her, arguably been their better goalie, and she's the one that wins the game on Saturday for them. Uh, you know, if you that Saturday game, you get the Farrell's goal ties it up, and you're thinking, all right, mm-hmm. if you can. And they're kind of playing a a pretty good scripted game there in terms of being able to uh, cash in on the opportunities that you had. Um, you know, picking off a bad, it was like a pure pass, bad one for the gopher defense and, and able to pot that in and sort of, okay. It, I'm just thinking at that point, I can't think that, that we're going to get another goal, but at least get it to overtime at that point, getting into the third period tied. I, I will say Farrell's glove play there at the blue line to keep that in. It was a nice, was yeah, a, it was a, it was, was a, nice a heck play. of a play by her, but it just, those and and any sort of sustained pressure it's just kind of a pipe dream at this point you've got to you've got to convert on all of those types of opportunities and it's not like the Huskies didn't have more chances than that but it's just a hard recipe to win a lot of games when you've just got to rely on picking off bad turnovers and and scoring on like 75% of those chances you get in the game because you're you're not able to Sustained pressure. We've said it before. I mean, they outshot the Gophers on Friday, and so mm-hmm. this isn't. We're not. We're not getting blown out of the building, and and that's obviously good to see. But even when you're in a game like one to nothing against the Gophers or one to one on Saturday, I just didn't feel very confident because I'm like, where, where is the offense going to come from? Um, and it was just too, too little. Um, I Gentry, we've, we've kind of praised her the last couple of weekends. She was relatively quiet this, this, uh, in this series. It's just, there's no, there's not enough there, there in terms of the offensive game plan. And these goaltenders can be as good as they have been all year. And it's still not going to be enough. It's just frustrating because I think that they're, they're so close. It's just, it's a matter of, you know, a few players here and there just being a, a tick better or a tick more offensive. I think that would be the big difference. And season's not over. You come into this next weekend against Duluth. You still have the opportunity, but I'm talking about like what the men's team of, you know, do they need, can they just split the rest of the, the rest of the home series? And is that going to be uh, put them in decent position for the, for the women's team? I mean, home ice is still technically possible, but very unlikely. So we're looking at a situation where, I mean, even one more one more win for Minnesota Duluth would would, would wrap up fourth place for them, or one more loss, I guess, or one more loss for for St. Cloud. So, so I mean, if you if you really want to make it interesting, sweep them this weekend, the Huskies, and then sweep Bemidji. And then hope the Gophers can sweep uh, Duluth the following week. That's what's got to happen, really, for to get fourth place in this conference. Which would have been really cool if we would have been able to play Duluth for both series at home, for both the men and the women. I think that would have been kind of a fun little tidbit. Yeah, it's possible. It's how it would so, line up right now for the men's side, I believe. Yeah, it would line up but... for them. So it's yeah, it's definitely possible. But so um, it's def- it's definitely possible for for that. But obviously, we would go to Amsoil and then for the women, and the men would right. 
would be at home. So it's kind of a bummer that that would be the, the difference because I think both of them having the games against the same school at, at the same rink would have been kind of cool. Yeah. But it, so, I mean, you still have the opportunity to do that this weekend is my confidence high that they can do that. It would have been higher like at the start of the second half. Cause I think in December when you played Duluth at the herb, I thought he stacked up really well against them. That was mm-hmm. a series where Duluth wins in overtime. That was the flute goal. They scored on Chobac. And Chobac, and then yeah, a, from distance. A, a shorthanded or a power play goal wins it in overtime for Duluth, but then kind of dominated Duluth. I thought maybe the best game that St. Cloud's played this year was that Saturday win against Duluth to wrap up the first half of the year, beating, um, what's her name? It's the first time that she had uh, ever taken a loss um, for Duluth. They, they have another, they have a goalie tandem similar to St. Cloud's. Um, and seeing Gascon on Friday and Haley McLeod, McLeod on Saturday, that was her first loss at the collegiate level. Um, and so seeing that, you know, making her look mortal was a, was a good sign. Um, and going into the second half, you had, you had hopped them in the standings. So you were fourth place kind of held, you know, uh, um, controlled your own destiny coming into the second half. But what's happened is, I mean, there's been some distance here, not because Duluth's been racking up key wins, big wins. Like their biggest, I mean, they have, they have a win at Wisconsin, but like their signature wins might be like that Colgate one um, in non-conference. Um, and probably that, that Wisconsin win, that Wisconsin wins the only win they have against the top three. It's the only time that they've even taken points against the top three. St. Cloud's had more games where they've gotten points out of the top three teams than Duluth. The difference though, is that Duluth's bottom three teams, which they're done with now, St. Thomas, Bemidji, and Mankato, uh, they ran the table against those, those three teams. Yeah. Uh, 12 and 0. And, Huskies were able to not to jump to drop two two of those games in the second half of the season, which you know explains the eight point gap, at least much of that, uh, to this point in the season. And so you hate to think that it's the difference between these two teams is that Duluth's been beaten up on the on the cupcakes more, but that's kind of that's kind of been the case. Um, but still, definitely opportunities here to not just tempt the uh the fate of of Duluth wrapping up uh the fourth place position in conference this weekend but also improve your pairwise position um as i mentioned you're going to hang at 10 it's going to be hard for them to pull to drop unless they like drop one of those Bemidji games it's just a gap between them and the next team with Connecticut but in order for them to move up you still have the opportunity to do that because Duluth is ahead of you in pairwise so possible for them to make that move it's just the the likelihood's getting less and less which is a difficult pill to swallow but um i'm looking forward to this weekend they no men's team action this weekend so they can sort of play in isolation here as the premier huskies sporting event for this weekend so i'm at least looking forward to them putting i think they're very similar like these two teams are almost identical and St. Cloud was just better the first time they played them. If they can recapture some of that uh, formula that um, 
had them win and take four out of six points in the first series of the year. At least like give me a winning series. Like six points might be greedy to think at this point, the way the Huskies have been struggling of late. But maybe get a, a regulation win and then like some overtime result. It would at least give me some more confidence going into the playoffs. It would give me some more confidence going into the Bemidji series. Like that I, I'm not convinced that they would go in and sweep Bemidji at this point. And so yeah. uh and if is if you can get some momentum forward momentum going before the playoffs start, anything can happen. So I'm, I've been waiting for a right the ship kind of weekend. We haven't gotten one of those yet during this gauntlet. I really hope to see it this weekend. Are you confident on that? Uh, or are you not? I am not. And it's, you know, it just kind of going through this, the, this gauntlet, you see flashes, but in, in the end, I just don't see this team scoring enough goals. Um, and you know, losing their last seven and yeah, there were some good stretches being played there, but Minnesota, this is, this this is kind of a mirror match, um, when it comes to the style of play that these two teams, um, really kind of hang with the two goaltenders that have been, you know, incredibly good throughout the year, got amazing stats, you know, probably the best goalie tandems in the country going to be facing each other here this weekend. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you're up in the second top level of mortal combat in, in, in the realm there and you're playing against yourself and you always, I always hated that match. I always played, you know, when I was sub zero, I didn't also want to play, you know, fight against sub zero. It always, always annoyed me. Um, but in the end, I, I I just look at you know who's been able to score um, uh, for for Minnesota Duluth and you know obviously you had uh, Reese Hunton, uh, Man and McMahon, um, you know kind of kind of leading the way and then you know Clara Van Weeren. So it's like you, you just look at the scoring that they're they're able to do just a lot more consistently. Um, and you know we've got the goaltenders to kind of keep it close and keep it in play, obviously. Um, and this isn't as high powered as an offense as who we played the last couple of weeks, but in the end, somebody on this team needs to step up and score. And I just, I haven't gotten any confidence that, uh, you know, that, that, that somebody's going to be able to do it. Gentry has that ability. Lind has that ability. Um, Himmlerova has that ability. Yes. But it's just, it, it's just, we haven't kind of seen it consistently enough. Um, and I, I just want to see some kind of a result here, um, on, on, on the weekend, um, you know, an overtime win or a regular win. Um, I don't think just getting it to overtime is going to be good enough for me to be really confident, um, here as we face them in, in, in the playoffs, because that's uh, what's going to take before we make that final face off and get to the most wins of program history which is 18 and we're still, you know, sitting at third at eight at 15 right now. You don't want to, you don't want to play our, our next favorite Sounder because St. Cloud state 15, 14 and one is getting real close to 500. (laughs) Now, again, there's no chance that they would be under 500 and in the top eight, the way that it's shaking out. Now they would have to lose more games. There's no way that they could do it, but we're close to 500. It's just an illustration of um, the struggles that this team has been on. You're mentioning like Duluth, 
scoring, uh, which compared to the Huskies, yeah, Hunt's 28 points, McMahon's 25, that would both lead the Huskies. But in comparison to the rest of the WCHA, you know, to put it another way, Duluth has no scorer that's uh, averaging a point per game this season. Ohio State, they got five of those. Wisconsin's got six Jeez. that are averaging 1.3 points per game, much less over one point a game. Even the Gophers, for as average as we think they are, they've got three players that are a point per game plus this season. It's really just their their top line with with Huber and Boving and, and Murphy. But um, in comparison... And the penalty per game. <laughs> my, my average for Abby Murphy. Uh, yeah, and that to boot. Um but, you know, so that shows you that this is not as vaunted of an offense as you're going to come across in this conference. Far from it. But in comparison to the, in comparison to the Huskies, it, it's, it's a step up. And so you've got you've to weather that storm and try to find a way to pop up more than one or two goals in. Like, yeah. I guess maybe the, the formula. Some sort of an offensive pulse here this weekend against a solid team. It's not going to be easy. Like I, yeah. I just don't envision this team uh, I, that the five to one win they had against Duluth. That seems like a far away. It sounds like an opium dream almost. Um, I can't even imagine having five goals. It's going to be hard for them to get five goals in a weekend, much less one game. But now to be fair, that was two empty netters. In that game, I'll count them any way they can get them. If they're if we were scoring, which is goals, more empty netters in that game than the men's team has had all season. That's true. <laughs> but the only way you can score empty net goals is if you're ahead and the team if you're is ahead. compelled yeah. to pull the goalie. I'd love to have an empty net goal or two this weekend. That would be a good sign. But mm-hmm. uh, let's see it. Let's uh, surprise me. Let's say. And again, I'm not like saying that as like I'm I'm pissed off fan here. I still think the season has exceeded my expectations. Correct. But those expectations were were raised after that great first half. I am thrilled to have these expectations now for this women's team. Yep. Especially with how bad the McDonald's years and and I hate um, to, I mean I mentioned this in the, the first half of the year too like just looking at the schedule. The 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 gauntlet itself I'm fine with like facing these top four teams all in succession, but you know, like spread out the home and away splits. The fact that you're getting just one of these last eight games at home. I think it's a shame. Like I just would literally, well, why, why can't you just not like, one series, literally one, like you just swap like the North, the Duluth series, just have that one in December be the up in Duluth and have this one be a home series. Then you at least have three out of the last eight at home. Like you feel like that's very doable from the schedule maker's perspective, but they got to make this uh, not only is it the gauntlet, but it's like a road heavy gauntlet. And uh, the way that the ball's been going down the hill here, it's it's not helping to have all these games be away from the friendly confines. So that's another another factor in in what it's uh, looking to be a tough weekend, but make it happen. I think this is a team that you can beat. So let's let's see you do it. And, you know, just going back about like expectations and, and, and where we're at, it's, you know, Abby Murphy taunting 
you know, that's uh, she she felt like uh, we're a team worthy of being taunted at, uh, you know, where. So that's I don't know. I think that's kind of a, kind of a good that's sign. like the that's what that's our one like uh, saving grace is that, hey, these teams <laughs> don't think that we're terrible anymore, exactly. which is a step up, but well, beat them the next time. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the next step of the progression. Again, I still think we're ahead of the curve here with with Adolski, well ahead Correct. of schedule. But that means next year, beating Abby Murphy and shoving in her face uh, because I hate her. So, um, I mean, I would ask for a pow for the weekend, but I'm gonna. I mean, eh, I mean, even JoJo in the loss. I mean, that was. I thought she had she a was, yeah, performance. She was um. Uh, there. Um, I mean, I probably just Pharrell. Um, another. I mean, you know, she has surprised this year. I'll yes. say that. I don't know if I was anticipating Franklin Pierce transfer to have. I mean, again, no one's lighting up the score sheet, so it's not saying that she's setting the world on fire points wise. But it seems like the goals that she's scored have been very important goals. And I think that's three against the Gophers this year. It's kind of turning into a bit of a, a Gopher killer, which I don't know if we've had even like one of those uh, in St. Cloud history. Just two goals, I guess. I thought she scored in the in the home game in December. Who scored that goal? Random box score off the fly. Random box score. Um, scored that. It was the one-to-one set. tie. Oh, uh, yeah. Scribner, Avery Myers uh, from or Scribner, Scribner from, from Myers. Myers. Okay. Yeah, that and that was the three. And that was the return the favor, right? From the Scribner to or the Myers from Scribner. That's right. The St. Thomas game. Yep. Yeah, and then that was the so, uh, the three penalty Murphy game, and the mm-hmm. shenanigans at the end, and the the Bulby hit. <laughs> so. Yeah. Don't want to relive, relive that one. But yeah, Farrell's popped in some some key goals this year. It's good to see her produce and produce in some timely um, um, spots. So yeah, it's just, it's uh, some signs of encouragement, but just not not quite there. And let's hope that we see that uh, turnaround this weekend. Indeed. Um, so, um, geez, are we already at questions? I think we Hold are. Did I miss something? Um, yeah, uh, a couple of questions and a tweet that I kind of want to address. Um, okay. but first question, um, uh, obviously, uh, Dan Jacobson, um, are you going to go to every road series now to insert, ensure a sweep? You know, that's a great idea. Um, all that's preventing me to do that is, um, money. And so time. go fund me page money, time, and a map, because I don't want to make the same mistake <laughs> where I'm flying to Florida and then driving to Ohio in the middle of the night. So if you can help me off those things, Dan Jacobson, uh-huh. then I think that's a dandy idea. A dandy idea. I think, uh, I think him being a new father at all is, uh, is going to be a little make it a little bit tough to, to also fund you know diapers and 
your trips to help a rival team win games. So well, he can he can pick up some extra shifts on the weekend. I don't know what he's <laughs> I don't want to, what does Dan Jacobson do for a living? Not sure, but there's probably some extra money to be made if you have the um the grit and the fortitude um and the um the hard working work ethic. Make that happen. Get some overtime and then um Venmo me. Uh, email me or shoot me a message at greenground.net and uh, we can make <laughs> that work. Yep. Um, and then there was an interesting tweet um, from a an account uh, called College Hockey West. And um, just uh, kind of want to address this tweet because it is the new uh, Lowell Sun Sports. Um, where that is what we call a tease. I am <laughs> dying to know. So what this is? Uh, anyway, so College Hockey West uh, tweeted out your source for NCAA hockey in the West, in all caps. Arizona State, Air Force, Anchorage, Fairbanks, Augustana, Colorado College, Denver, Omaha, and Lindenwood. Oh, I, I guess I thought it was going to be like so. the Western leagues, but so they're, they're going try to go like the true West. Yes. Like, do you, this is a but, website or this is a Twitter just account? A, just a Twitter account. Okay. So we're, we're really scraping the barrel here, but, oh yeah, we are, but we're going to do it anyway because I, oh, well, I mean, yes, it's a, it's, it's a website. Ice time hockey West.com. Say that again. I'm going to type it in. Ice time hockey West. Is that like time with a Y? Is there any like T-I- no, it is not. Ice time Straight T-I-M-E. Yep. West. Dot com. Dot net. Dot com. Probably made from GoDaddy. We cover the game to grow the game. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> kind of like that. Oh, okay. So anyway. it's like it's covering like the AHL Pacific Division. Interesting. There's one for that. That's their professional side of things. And the NCAA is what I'm guessing the teams that you just mentioned. And their logo has a hockey skater in between the outlines of the states of California and New York. (laughs) California doesn't have a team and New York is not the West, but there's that. Oh, and then, so that's the NCAA, and then there's a college. It says, college hockey spotlight on the top men and women's non-NCAA teams. So it's like club teams, I'm guessing. Club hockey, there you go. All right. <laughs> All right, so this, uh, what do we got? What do we got? So Now I know what we're dealing with here. What, what, what do we got? Just an observation, NCAA ice hockey, hashtag pairwise. Five teams in all of NCAA hockey have 20 wins or more. Four of those teams are the top nine of the pairwise. One is 19th. This system needs an overhaul, all caps. We stand with you, Sun Devil Hockey. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, uh, I I think that's that's it. That's it. That's it. You're giving Lowell Sun too short of trip. They actually had the 
time and effort to put in a whole article that so, was that was had evidence for, of their ridiculous claims. This is just for, like a two cents. For the newcomers, for you young Gen Zers here, um, <laughs> years ago uh, when uh, uh, Mass Lowell was a bubble team, um, ended up not making it, and uh, the I don't know if it was actually the beat writer or just an opinion piece in the Lowell Sun Sports uh, just ranted about how it's unfair that the committee didn't choose them uh, to be in the tournament. Despite the fact that there is really no committee and um, everything is kind of laid out, obviously, in the pairwise. So it's just. And I think the the target of their ire was the Huskies that year because they got yep. in as the sixth place team from NCHC with a barely above 500 record in contrast to Lowell's gaudier record. But for all the faults of pairwise, the whole point of it is to, it's basically a strength of schedule calculator because yeah, 20 wins is not the same based on the schedule that you put out. You put, your schedule entirely comprised of Stonehill, which don't mention that to Penn State, because that might be a good <laughs> enough idea to tempt them. But that's just a crazy enough idea for them to do that. A schedule of all, uh, you know, Stonehill and Lindenwood and Bobby Morris versus a schedule that's comprised of top 10 teams uh, throughout the, the schedule. Plus, as I mentioned this earlier, with uh, Arizona State with the great imbalance of their home schedule versus the road schedule the home home games with that with that volume of home games with those home games counting only at 80% of wins in RPI it definitely incentivizes road wins and if you're not playing on the road and you're not playing against good teams on the road because their best play the best teams they played this year Denver and Providence those are all at home. So you're not playing any marquee games against good teams on the road, and you're not winning enough of the games against the good teams at home. You've even like you've dumped games against Augustana and you tied Lindenwood. You went to overtime against Stonehill. I mean, they haven't they exactly did run the beat table. Colorado College on the road. I think that's their best which, win. Which we did best not best regulation do. win. <laughs> Uh, this year is is at CC based on just the the ranking of the opponents in pairwise because again their their wins against Denver and Providence were both in overtime so yeah I mean if the pairwise is there for anything it's it's to uh, sort out um, strength of schedule and be able to accurately compare teams with similar uh, wins number of wins and sort out which of those is a better quality of wins. And so this is the whole point of the pairwise, which is a system that I don't like um, unabashedly love. Uh, But yeah, there's no one to blame for Arizona state except themselves for where they're at. And um, if that, if that's the only argument that um, ice time hockey West has, uh, I would suggest them, um, reading up on what the pairwise is, I guess. Welcome to the party, let's say. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for tweaking the pairwise and and everything, but to suggest that it needs an overhaul 
um, because what you tied Lindenwood or you beat Lindenwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. So, um, but obviously next year, not going to be an issue for them. Uh, you know, when it comes to the strength of schedule portion and the home and away waiting, obviously they're non-conference games, something. But I bet they'll still have a, they'll have an over, they'll, they'll kind of, I bet they're going to be like Penn state where they play like eight of their 10 non-conference games at home. I mean, some years Penn state's playing all 10 at home, but um, I would assume Arizona state's going to still have a majority of their non-conference at home, but yeah, you'll, have enough, you'll have enough, you'll have enough in the conference schedule yeah. to at least, you're not going to rack up 25 wins, but you're going to have the opportunity to, to have quality wins much more frequently than they do now. As you said, I, I think the, I got to get my book of uh, predictions out, but I think you, you penciled them in for sixth place next year. You've already made that prediction, not even knowing the the full roster. Um, and Did I really? Yes. You, you were, Why the hell I, would was, I do that? It was uh, the last tweet they had about the resume thing. Uh, <laughs> well, not not Ice Ice Time Hockey West again. That's such a dumb <laughs> name for a website, but uh, it was their it was the school site who's saying we're, we're writing our resume, and you were all fired up about that, and you're like, "Yeah, I'll wait till you get in the conference next year. We'll be in sixth place. Suck it." And so you've already been on the record. I wrote that I down. Do. It's somewhere. I don't, in my, I don't in my think pile this of ever papers. happened. It did. Oh, Are you recanting that? This. You're going to say they're going to be, they're winning the NCHC next year. <laughs> yes. Those are, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> it's going to be number one, them. And then number two, CC, number three, Miami. That'll be the number three, one through three. Good. That's good. So, um, but I don't know why that doesn't bother me as much as Arizona State. Maybe because like, like I could see teams wanting to fly to Arizona to play. I think that would be kind of a fun road trip and, you know, get out of the winter and whatnot. And whereas Penn State, it seems like more of an entitlement thing that uh, that they're too good to go on the road. And maybe it's just my perception of just Penn state. And obviously Penn state's terrible history about everything. So, well, I I don't know why it's, it's a, it's a trade-off because you have the opportunity Penn state, probably part of their rationale is that it's a revenue issue. Like instead of doing five and five for your road and home split, which is, Typically what Larson does, I think this year was an outlier. He did six home games and four road games for his non-conference, but typically he's right around half and half. You're losing out on potential revenue that way. Um, but the trade-off there is that hopefully that increases your uh, the ceiling uh, of RPI points that you can gain based on road wins, even against not so great teams, a road win that you get a bonus for that. Um, and so you can you can sacrifice uh, a good RPI position by well, we're going to play eight eight home games in our non conference and if they're all cupcakes, I think I think Penn State I think it's part of their sell to their recruits too is yeah we're gonna we're gonna schedule these cupcakes so you can kind of rack up some points during the non conference part of the schedule maybe for the fans too it's an easy sell like yeah hey, let's watch them you know kick butt against uh, Mercyhurst you know, rack up 10, 10 goals in, in a game. It just, you just have to realize that it's not really going to help you in the pairwise at all. Um, 
And in my perspective, I've always, I've always liked the tough non-conference schedule approach, not only from the pairwise perspective, but just from the perspective of if you play good competition, that's going to make you better as a team. Instead of trying to pad stats against terrible teams, um, making your team toughing them up against better competition will make you better in your conference schedule and hopefully the uh, NCAA tournament. So I've always been of the school to, to t- schedule a tough non-conference um, schedule. And um, that's not the case with certain teams and just reading the tea leaves. Yeah. I think that it's going to be pretty easy for Arizona state to attract some teams that want to travel down there during the season but also I think just from their perspective of wanting to gain some revenue as well, I think it's going to be a fit where they, they like to play a, a majority of their non-conference uh, at the mullet. Hmm. It's good. I, we always like to see those um, this time of year. Like these, these types of, of articles are. Go, go as he's woo at a, at a good point. It's like, it feels like it's a rite of passage for new college hockey fans. And then we can start going oh. into the intricacies of, well, here's the system and here's why it's weird. <laughs> so. It shouldn't be that difficult. I mean, for other college, you know, college, college sports, I mean, it's the equivalent of a mid-major in football who's, you know, 11 and one, but getting passed over from a, by a two, two loss SEC team. It's like you're making the distinction there as well. Yeah, that team, the the, the little guy, it's got a good record, but they didn't play anybody. And mm-hmm. so, and, and all those debates are never easily settled. I mean, that's that feeds the Twitter fire for several days whenever those kind of situations come up. But it's not unique really? to just hockey. Twitter? No. There's no arguments on Twitter. A perfectly civil about. website, yes. <laughs> Oh, that about does her uh, on this episode. Um, so everything clips along pretty well when we don't have a have a, a, a game to to preview. So uh, I am Weldy at more clappers, M-O-A-R, more clappers. Andrew already plugged his green ground. Uh, so at Andrew nice. at greenground.net. And then you can also email me at huskieshockeypodcast at gmail.com. Send me an email that way as well. Get in touch with me. Sounds great. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo-hoo.